Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hello and welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. And on the show today, are we replacing the term breastfeeding with chest feeding? That is certainly what some headlines are saying we discuss. Plus, a new Netflix show everyone's talking about and what it tells us about female friendship. But first... In case you missed it, which I don't think anyone has... Everyone is talking about Prime Minister Scott Morrison's response to Brittany Higgins's rape allegation. To Scott Morrison, stop dealing with this as a political problem and start doing the right thing. Now, Brittany Higgins is the young woman who was on the project on Monday night, had an exclusive interview where she alleged that she was raped by a fellow staffer inside Parliament House in 2019. Scott Morrison responded on Tuesday and said that he had listened to what Higgins had to say. And we've actually got a clip of what Morrison's response was. I said yesterday in the Parliament that we had to listen to Brittany. I have listened to Brittany. Jenny and I spoke last night and she said to me, you have to think about this. As a father, first, what would you want to happen if it were our girls? Jenny has a way of clarifying things, always has. The criticism was swift, with many saying that Morrison appears to only be able to empathise with the experience of rape through imagining it happening to his own daughters. The Batuta Advocate, obviously, were just ready to send up Morrison's choice of words, with satirical headlines like father of sons unable to see what is wrong with someone getting raped in Parliament House and serial sex offender cleared of all charges at district court after pleading no daughters. This is a turn of phrase, this as a father, you know, I have a wife, I have a sister, we saw Tony Abbott do it, we see politicians do it all the time, we've seen it time and time again. And it's where men in positions of power can only really comprehend sexism or violence or misogyny insofar as it affects the women that they love. Mia, what was your response to this press conference? Because you saw the headlines, but then you actually went and watched the whole thing. And did you feel like there was a bit of a disconnect? I really did because I think a couple of things. I think that the idea of as a father, and we've talked about as a mother many times on this show, is a form of expressing empathy and it's a form of of putting yourself in someone else's shoes as much as you can about someone whose experience is very different to yours. So I understand that, of course, it's not just as a father but as a human being when something's happened to another human being, you need to feel empathy. But why did he have to bring Jenny into it so very much, right? Because I agree with you. And I think that for the average person, that as a father, as a mother argument, 
we've you know we've been around this, but it has a lot of validity because there are a lot of men in the world who haven't really considered what it's like to be a woman until they have a daughter, and suddenly they look at them and go, oh. Now I begin to get it. But the prime minister shouldn't be that person because leadership requires you to make decisions about all kinds of people who aren't walking in your shoes. Unemployed people, people who come from other cultures and backgrounds, people who come from different sections of society, men, women, you know, trans people, children. Leaders can't say, well, I didn't really care about this until I spoke to X. I agree that for him not to doubt Brittany was good, but At the same time, this thing about women not having any value or context or positioning without them being a daughter or a wife, I think is really troubling. And also that men, this trope of men relying on their wives for like empathy counselling is like a bit worrying. Just a comment regarding the skinny jeans. I am not a millennial, I'm 45, and I have run to order online, how 45 do I sound, three pairs of high-waisted, slightly flared jeans, and I've chucked out all my skinny ones. All of a sudden, they look shit. Ciao! Move by Mamma Mia! is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Please explain. You might have seen some headlines around this week that sound, at a quick glance, like a pretty drastic change to how we talk to new parents in hospital. Mia, have you seen them? I have seen them. I've seen something about how it's no longer called breastfeeding, it's called chest feeding, and it's no longer called breast milk, it's called human milk. Is that right? Well, it is right, but it's also wrong. Allow me to explain. Please explain. It started with stories about the British NHS that said that they were changing the way they speak to parents under their care. What is the NHS? I hear so much about the NHS, the clapping for the NHS. The National Health Service. So oh. the NHS in Britain is, it's Medicare, but it's it's different to Medicare because it's one massive organisation that runs yeah. all the hospitals, all the doctor's surgeries. So it's like the health department the yeah, kind of thing. It is. The stories suggested that the term breastfeeding, as you said, Mia, should be changed to chest feeding and the words mother's milk be replaced by human milk. And then here in Australia, stories have been published that say that the Australian National University were urging the same change to their trainees and including the terms gestational parent and non-gestational parent instead of mother and father. Now, predictably, many commentators immediately got very upset about this. What sort of woefully woke world have we become? Peter Credlin wrote for News Limited on the weekend. Uh, Louise Roberts also wrote for News Limited. The latest push for politically correct and gender neutral language has at its roots a sinister attempt to control people's thoughts and replace family with government. So it sounds pretty full on, right? But is it true? Well, yes and no. So the NHS have clarified that this language is not a replacement for other more traditional terms. It's language that has been developed to specifically support trans and 
gender non-binary patients who midwives are looking after. So if oh. you there are more and more non-binary and trans people being looked after in maternity wards and in prenatal care. So you could be pregnant but not identify as a woman. You could identify as a man or, or identify neither. as neither. Non-binary. So what this is is they've basically developed tools to give to the health professionals who are looking after those people to give them language that makes them more oh. inclusive. So they're not suggesting that everyone be called that no. and it be called that for everyone because that's what I thought yeah. by reading the headlines. No, exactly. It says they're not urging everybody to use them as blanket terms to everybody. The NHS say, to be clear, the NHS has said that such language like referencing pregnant women and breastfeeding will not change for those who identify as such. Right. So it's like the equivalent of they. People yes. who want to use they, them pronouns. So they're adding, basically adding words to the lexicon to support a section of the population who at the moment don't have the words around their experience. And it's actually the same with the ANU story. So the ANU people, despite what the headlines say, a spokesperson has said, this is a guide, so the, the stuff that's being published on all the sites, this is a guide produced by a research institute that among its many areas of focus examines how to improve gender equity inclusiveness for a specific group of people. So it's an academic output produced by experts who are researching how to better support these people. So really all it is is giving us words and languages to give to health professionals who are looking after a particular section of the community who at the minute don't have those. But that does not sound as frightening mm. as mothers are being erased, let's mm. all set our hair on fire. Which is what J.K. Rowling got in trouble for recently when she tweeted there was something, I think it was a headline about people who menstruate mm. and she said if only there was a word for this, the word is woman. It's the same sort of thing in that they're not trying to erase female experience and a lot of women are on Twitter and on Facebook going, I breastfed, I didn't chest feed. I think no one's disagreeing with that, no, right? No, and chest feeding is actually a specific term that refers to what some trans men do. Some female to male trans people do do How? something called chest feeding. So this isn't true for everybody who's who's transitioned but some trans men can still lactate and still feed and they the even if they've had double mastectomies yes, and top surgery some can and some do and they blog about it and it's a real thing and so chest feeding is the term for that specific act and i guess not all trans men have had top surgery so some trans men still have mm. breast and, tissue and non-binary non non exactly right. people so i think the sort of way this story has been treated is quite typical of, of how you whip up a moral panic, which is that it sounds almost scary to sections of the community who think, hold on, hold on, why are you telling me I'm not a mother? But actually what the story is, is that it's giving tools to the people who have been invisible here, who have been excluded. And now if I'm a midwife or an obstetrician, mm. I now have the right language to use for those people. And if you are a midwife or an obstetrician, you probably want to know what words to use that aren't going to offend your mm. patient. And so being armed with that is probably a really good thing. Everyone's talking about Firefly Lane. 
You're talking about fire. Well, <laughs> no, I've a lot of people urge me because you know I watched It's a Sin as you guys did, and then I was talking to my sister-in-law Nikki about it. I'm like, what should I watch next? And she said, I'm watching Firefly Lane. She's always watching the new thing, and she said it's a really good thing to watch after It's a Sin, which was absolutely brilliant but quite emotionally draining. So I thought, okay, I'll watch it. It took me a while to work out that it didn't star Ashley Judd. It's actually Catherine Heigl, who is yeah. best known as Izzy in, in Grey's head, Anatomy. They look nothing alike, so I'm so interested. Ten to see dresses. This. Well, she's not blonde anymore, so she's got dark hair, and she looks a lot like Ashley Judd to me. Anyway, so it's her and another actress called Sarah Chalk. Anyway, it's really bad. I think it's really bad. I keep watching it and stopping watching it. So, you know, I exercise in the morning. I'm on the treadmill. I've got my iPad there. And so I thought, oh, watch it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I keep going, this is dumb. And then I turn it off. But a bit like Emily in Paris, Mm. I keep coming back to it. And I think maybe I'll watch it again because it's just like it's like mashed potato it's just kind of there or like rice it's just kind of there so I keep coming back to it and then it's so anyway I should tell you what it's about it's about two friends that grow up it's told confusingly in three different or four different decades the 70s when they were kids the 80s when they were starting their careers and then the sort of the noughts when like that's kind of now so the now the most current time is like 2003 or whatever and one is the bookish nerdy girl and you can tell she's bookish and nerdy because she wears glasses and the other is the girl who has the sexy and confident and it sort of follows and they both want to be journalists and and it follows their careers right and at the at the present day Tully is like a kind of like a an Oprah Winfrey, but without the spirituality. She she hosts like a daytime talk show. Like, God, I don't even know. Ricky Lake. In yeah, the day. like Ricky Lake in the day. She's kind of like a more cheesy talk show host. They do a lot of makeovers and stuff. And then the other one, Kate, is just divorced. She's a stay-at-home mum. She's got one child who's a teenage girl and she's maybe after this divorce thinking of getting back into the workforce. So to me, it is cheesy and cliched, but everyone's watching it. Anyway, Kelly McCarran, who hosts You Beauty, you Beauty a beauty podcast with Lee Campbell, she wrote a newsletter this week where she talked about Firefly Lane. She loves it, unlike me. And she says that everybody needs a Tully. Tully is the Catherine Heigl character, the confident um, TV presenter one. She said everyone needs a Tully in their life because she's the friend that – puts a rocket up you, just comes like there's a scene where there's a parent fundraiser at the school and um, Kate doesn't want to go and she's in a frumpy dress because she hasn't put on a dress in 13 years because she's been a mom. And Tully's like, (laughs) I can't come because I'm going to LA to go to a premiere of George Clooney's new movie. And then they're talking on the phone and Tully goes, look outside. And she's come with it in the sequin dress in a limo. She goes, I'm going to be your date. And then she takes off her sequin dress and puts it on Kate and she wears Kate's daggy dress. And it's like, Kate, we're going to go to the fundraiser. And I turned it off at this point again, (laughs) one of the many times. But but Jesse, do you have a friend like that in your life? Do you think everybody needs a Tully? Do we call them a hype girl? Is that what the... A hype girl and also like a life coach. I think people feel as though they have that one friend who's a bit of a life coach who they go to for advice and guidance. And it's a funny dynamic because it doesn't go both ways. I think that everyone has that 
one friend who's, yeah, your hype girl who's like, no, you go for that job, you deserve better, who's like always... I have a friend who will literally send me voice notes because she doesn't think she can convey the hype over text. So she'll like (laughs) send me this voice note so that I can... Just going, you're amazing. Yes, and it's like it really kind of revs you up. But I think, I hope I'm that friend to other people, but it is a funny dynamic and I wonder what happens if too hype I think there can be too much hype imagine <laughs> if there are just two hype girls it, like you'd never get anything done because you'd just be like I also Polly are you a hype girl no I'm not oh, sometimes I am uh, but I have one and it's a fine line because I have a friend one of my good friends is hype girl for all her girlfriends and she is constantly like you go to her house and she'll be on the phone she'll be like any minute now and she'll be on the phone and she'll just be like yes and so you've got to tell him that and you tell him you're worth this and that's the way it is and you kick him to the curb because he's blah 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 and it's like fine and then some of the phone rings again and it's another one like she's going through a hard time she's she's fixing everybody and she hypes you up and she's great Mm. when you're in the mood for that it's great but when you're not in the mood for that, mm. it's really annoying. Because you know how we've talked before about sometimes you just want to complain mm. about mm. your life and you don't necessarily want someone to hype you up. You just want them to go, yes, that must be hard, poor you, and stroke your hair. That's not a hype girl's role. If a friend so, brought me a sequin dress to my house, I would not be I've reacting. i You have tried. You have said, Jesse, I'm outside your house and I've opened my thing and it's Where just you my a sequin Where are my sequin shorts? <laughs> I know if they're trying to make me do something I don't want to yeah. do, it's not going to go it well. It can be a bit controlling, can't it? And I wonder if that's a little bit toxic. Mia, do you have a hype girlfriend? I don't know. I think all my hype, I don't know. I don't really know. I think that, that what annoys me about this show is the the sort of the the sort of the tired cliches like Tully's got the big career but she doesn't have a baby and Kate's like been at home and she doesn't know how to brush her hair to go to a job interview and she looks really mumsy and I don't know I just feel that it's kind of it feels not very modern and fresh but it's look it's a fine thing to have in the background I'm talking about the show not the friendship I don't know it's a fine line I'm interested to know from out louders do you have a Tully in your life or are you a Tully? We've got the Nicole, who is the friend in the group, who is the big organiser. I think we've Nicole got, is often a Tully We've as well. got the Katie, who is the one who just never knows anything and is always <laughs> just flake. hopeless, the mm-hmm. flake. And now we've got the Tully, who is the hype girl. Is Tully and Nicole the same thing? Tell us out louders in the Facebook group or come to our Instagram page. The Instagram page is... <laughs> Mamma Mia out loud, all on word. <laughs> I didn't know how um, to end. Follow us. Mia, you have a recommendation for us to round out today. It's a person, really. Yeah, it's a person. <laughs> Just Google Hugh Grant, um, <laughs> The Undoing. Any interview that you can find with Hugh Grant that he did when he was on the, you know, promotional road for The Undoing, which was, I keep thinking it's The Undone, but that's the name of our podcast at Mamma Mia for 20-somethings. The Undoing is the Nicole Kidman-Hugh Grant thing that's so good. Anyway, he's just so funny. I want to play you a little bit. I was listening to a podcast that someone recommended um, where the, the interviewer is like quite an earnest American woman who's like... You know those American people or people who just don't really have a sense of humour. Mm. They're pretty straight, straight. And there's a part where she's asking him about – a bit of a spoiler in here, so don't listen if you want to watch The Undoing. But um, she asked him how she prepares – he prepared for a murder scene and this was his response. I'm an old man with young children, so to be locked up at all is brutal, but to be locked up 
with tiny children, albeit ones that I adore, is rough. I play Barbie with them. I love Barbie and I love Princess What's It from Frozen. And what do I do with my boy? Oh, well, we just throw rugby balls at each other in the back garden until he cries. <laughs> I'm like, he's just funny. He's just gone rogue. Like, yeah. you know how he used uh, to be the, you know, the lovable I hated him then. leading man? And he hated him then too. Mm. And he says, now I'm just going really dark. All the roles I play are really dark and I bloody love it. You need to follow him on Twitter. He's really funny and really political and really outspoken. Um, he kind of took a turn in midlife, Hugh Grant, because he, when he was that fop, it really annoyed me, that English stereotype. I thought it was so sexy. Oh, yuck. Ugh. And But then ever since Paddington 2, he's resurrected himself <laughs> for me because he, he's kind of <laughs> entered a phase of his life that usually middle-aged women do more where he just doesn't care. Yeah. And ever since he took on Rupert Murdoch and the news of the world, he's oh, just yeah. like, yeah, he just doesn't care. And he, hacking. He does upset some people. Apparently all his female co-stars hate him. Really? Yeah. Why, on what basis? Well, I don't know what he does to them. Apparently he's like really rude and like he's <laughs> but, settled with shit. But yeah, he has, I think he has shades of problematicness, but he is very, he's, I feel like he's grown into himself in, in his later years and he's just bloody great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. It was produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.